Hello, I'm Professor John Mee from the University of Warwick, and as you can see, I'm in a mid-19th century prison. I'm in need of a good lawyer. Luckily, I've got one right next to me, Professor Gary Watt from the Department of Law at the University of Warwick. Gary, Dickens was obsessed with the law, and particularly obsessed with prisons. Yes, I'm afraid he didn't have a lot of choice in it. His father was actually imprisoned for debt in Marshalsea Prison when Dickens was just a young boy. And the whole family actually imprisoned with him, apart from Dickens, who stayed out to earn a crust. Right. And one of the things, didn't he actually have a, an early part of his career involved in the law in some way? Uh, yes, I mean, he moved on from, uh, as everyone knows, working in a blacking factory to getting some uh, very basic work in a, a solicitor's firm. Um, uh, in the middle of the uh, of legal London, and uh, that he basically was a, an office boy doing very uh, basic work. And despite that, or perhaps because of that, he doesn't ever seem to have a very high opinion of the law in his writing. Um, yes, I, I think his his view of the law as a as a strange machine might have been coloured even more by the fact that uh, after. Uh, the, uh, the office work, he went on to be a reporter in one of the more obscure and technical courts in London at the time, called the Court of Doctors' Commons. Right. He spent nearly four years there, sitting in a box, reporting all the strange goings on. What did, the, what did that court actually do? What kind of stuff was it? Uh, well, it was, it was very unusual. Um, in a sense, it wasn't really a typical court of English law. It specialised in civil law and admiralty matters, um, and what was called a, the consistory court. So people doing things that upset the church. Um, uh, so people could be excommunicated, for example, in that church, yeah. in that court. Did he have any run-ins run with the law in his career? Um, I mean, he wasn't, uh, he, he wasn't personally uh, you know, one of Fagan's lads or anything <laughs> like that, but he uh, certainly, after the success of um, uh, Christmas Carol, uh, which obviously uh, really uh, made, made his mark uh, uh, big time, um, he found that people were pirating that work. Yeah. And, um, whether he initiated it or not, or lawyers came to him first, he was encouraged to pursue an action um, to, uh, to try and uh, obviously stop the pirates. Um, but he, he found really the whole experience uh, pretty ruinous. And a couple of years later, um, was invited by the lawyers again, would you like to have another go? And he said, I, I will not easily forget the expense, anxiety, and the horrible injustice of the Carroll case. And, I'd much rather not, he right. said. So I think that really did colour his view, yeah. So lawyers tend to appear as what? Bloodsuckers in his fiction? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we'll probably come on to talk about Bleak House later, which is his, obviously his main legal novel. And uh, there's a character in that, a lawyer called Bowles, who's very much depicted as a, a vampire and, and a bloodsucker and uh, someone who peels his own flesh off. Uh, right. um, yes, I think he, he had... a. a a dim regard for the uh, for the institution of the law, the the, the legal system of, uh, if you like, courts and solicitors. Um, he was perhaps a little kinder on individuals, I think. Right, right. And so let's let's talk about Bleak House uh, that you mentioned. I mean, that that's a novel that famously revolves around a, a particular legal case, which mm. becomes a kind of metaphorical um, prison. And it's a case that's in in Chancery. And I wonder mm. if you could start by telling us what is Chancery. Yeah, yeah. I mean the. The whole novel uh, starts uh, with chapter one, remarkably <laughs> enough, and the very first words, the title of the chapter, are in Chancery. Um, there's a very straightforward reason for uh, choosing those words, as Dickens himself say, uh, says that the, the clerks in Chancery have, have written that out a thousand times. Um, they were the first words in Chancery that you would see at the top of a, of a legal document issued out of that court. So mm. there's a technical reason for choosing that. Um, 
there were many other reasons for choosing uh, in Chancery as a title. Um, Dickens wrote the book uh, 1851 onwards, serialised it 1852-53, but it's actually set in the time when Dickens was a law clerk, right. um, so 1827 perhaps. And in those days it was a, a big joke, and it perhaps still was when Dickens was writing, um, to say that a boxer, when he's got the opponent's head under his arm right. and is punching him freely, that you're in chancery. So it was a big right. joke. You might as well be in chancery because he's got you in a lock he can't escape from. Right. And, and the court, I'm afraid, really had that kind of reputation. Right. Did he get the law right? Um, he doesn't refer to technical law an awful lot, but his critique of the chancery system, the processes of the court, is pretty spot on. Um, it, it really was the case uh, that a litigant would be find themselves the beneficiaries of a will in chancery, and that sounds like a good thing, but they find that the costs outstrip uh, the benefit under the will, and they cannot get out of the case. This is the crucial point. A solicitor um, who wrote a pamphlet that we know inspired Dickens to write uh, Bleak yeah. House or to consolidate his critique, a solicitor uh, talks of his client who wanted to get out of the case but just could not get out. And that's, I think, the real condemnation of, of what Chancery was doing in those days, that people um, had to attend court, had to pursue their case, and that they couldn't really um, accept themselves from it. Because yeah, there are two or three characters in the novel who actually kill themselves by getting obsessed with a case. Mr Gridley's one. Is that the, is that the case you were thinking of? Um, well... Gridley is actually based on a character that really was in that pamphlet. Uh, right, right. And, and um, Gridley uh, didn't kill himself, but he was sort of worn down by the yeah, whole yeah, affair. Yeah. Is that actually um, one of the Jarndyce uh, antecedents? He, he did shoot his brains out in, in a chancery lane in a coffee shop, as we're told. But yeah, Gridley was typical, actually based on a, a chap in this pamphlet, this legal pamphlet. And he was worn down. Um, not a new theme entirely for Dickens. Even in his first um, novel, uh, Pickwick Papers, um, Dickens talks about the death in jail of a chancery prisoner, death in a jail pretty much mm. like this one. Um, what's interesting is that Dickens forgets about it or doesn't study it or write about it really for another 15 years. And then it hits the news as they start to talk about the reform of the chancery court. There are news articles, 1851 and uh, 5051, and Dickens thinks now's the time. Now's right. the time for my great novel, my great critique of Chancery. So, Gary, there's one central case in Bleak House, Jarndyce and Jarndyce. What can you tell us about that? Um, it, the case name is fictional, uh, but it's based on any number of very similar real cases, sad to say, where people really did uh, lose... Uh, all their fortunes in, in costs and cases which dragged on in chancery for uh, years and years and ge genuinely generations, which is Dickens' particular critique of, of Jarndyce. Um, so we don't know exactly which case it was. There are theories out there, but yeah, for sure, uh, there were real cases like it. The, the name um, Jarndyce and Jarndyce is, is interesting. Clearly, it's a joke on the illness of jaundice. Mm. Um, but I think there's uh, perhaps a particular reason why Dickens chose um, jaundice as opposed to sumptuous or tumorous or any other kind of disease. Right, right. Um, and that is uh, a fairy tale, actually. Right, uh, Dickens right. was a great fan of the Grimm's fairy tales. Right. He actually said if he'd been able to marry Red Riding Hood, he'd have been the happiest man alive. <laughs> um, and um, in the Grimm's fairy tale collection that first came into an English translation, 
illustrated by Dickens' own uh, illustrator, Cruikshank. Mm. Um, in there, there's a little story tucked away called Jorinder and Jorindel, right, right. which of course sounds just like Jorindus and Jorindice. Mm. And in that story, you will see, uh, you find a story of a, um, a, a, a witch, say a, a little old lady, and uh, she has um, a garret, or well, she has a, a cave full of um, birds in cages. Right. And of course, very early on in Bleak House, uh, the young wards in Chancery, um, the, the heroine and the, the hero of the story, if you like, are taken up by a little old lady into her garret and she peels the curtain across yeah. and there you see these birds in their cages hanging right. there. And so the, there are lots of other allusions that suggest he might have had Jorinder and Jorindel in mind when he right. chose that name. So yeah. might, that might be the, uh, the could, origin of Miss Flight. Could, could, yes, indeed. It could, could be the origin, certainly the name and perhaps the just this idea of a, of a, of a haunted case. Um, mm. Yeah. As well as being about the law, often it's that novel, Bleak House, regarded as the first detective story. And Dickens was as obsessed about the police almost as he was about the law, is that? Yeah, is that... I, I think, um, you know, one has to bear in mind that the Metropolitan Police uh, was this, uh, Force was established in its, uh, its, essentially its modern form in 1829, mm. uh, from memory. That was in a very formative period for, for Dickens. That was the time he was still a reporter in mm -hmm. uh, Doctors' Commons um, when he was making his way in the world. And mm -hmm. so they kind of grew up in London with him, the police force. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, he was, he was fascinated. Uh, and I think perhaps particularly by the, the role of the detective. Right, right. Um, as indeed, we're all still are fascinated by that um, detective. We love to read yeah. the novels. and CSI, the 1850, whatever. It is. Uh, absolutely, yes. And there was um, particularly uh, one detective called who I think had a bit of a reputation by the time uh, Dickens himself also had a, 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 an established reputation. So around about 1850, mm. um, Dickens went out on the streets with Field mm. and various other uh, accompanying police uh, officers and constables and toured the streets of London, dark streets mm. at night, and went to all the dens of crime and iniquity. Yeah. And uh, I think Dickens, it's pretty much accepted, Dickens was very impressed by this uh, Inspector Field and used him as the model for Inspector Bucket right, in Bleak right. House. And it's an amazing achievement to think that yeah. on top of everything else that Bleak House is, a social reform document, a wonderful novel in its own right, it was also the first ever police detective um, novel in English literature, which is remarkable. Yeah, that's incredible. Let's hope we can get out of here. Thanks very much, Gary. <laughs> Cheers.